We are kicking off a brand new series today called Christmas Presents, and in true dad joke fashion, I spelled it differently, like not the present that you open, but the presence of being with. Because there is a value to being with someone. And my son reminded me of this just a few days ago. He's four years old, all right? And so at four years old, if you haven't had a four-year-old, they're a little bit bossy sometimes. They expect their way all of the time. And he's into dinosaurs right now. And so on my day off, which you know what it's like to have a day off and what you want to do on your day off. You want to relax. You want to recharge. You want to do the things that you want to do, which usually as a grown-up is doing nothing. That's right. And so that's my plan. And so my plan is to do nothing. And in order to do that with young children, you turn on the television and you say, okay, you, you do your screen time. I do my screen time. We both relax, recharge. And as I turn on his dinosaur show, he starts watching and he says, dad, I want you to watch this with me. And I say, okay. And I sit down to him and I start to pull my phone and he says, no phone. Come on. <laughs> this is my time too. And it's like, no, it's like he, he, he understands even at four. That, that there's times where you want someone engage, you want them to feel what you feel. You want them to see what you're seeing. You want them to laugh when you laugh. And in order to do that, you have to be present in the room, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. You have to be engaged in the same area. And I know that this is just a common thing, that, that we all struggle to be fully present in the room because we have these distractions. It's a common thing. I speak on it often. But as we get into Christmas, And there's so much focus on Christmas presents that we buy and the decorations that we put up. I believe that the foundational piece, that what I really want to build our series off of as we study the nativity next week, is the importance and the mission of presence, of Christ's presence in our life, in our home, in our heart, in our mind. That Christ's presence supersedes the importance and the focus and even the celebration of the Christmas presents that we buy. Because when we study the Gospel of John, as it begins to talk about this, the Christmas that would occur, the arrival of Christ on earth, we're going to pick up, and I'll put the words up on the screen, Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 14. And I believe that this, this is where we're going to build the foundation for our series off of as we get into the actual story of the nativity next week. It says, the word became flesh, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now, when this describes Jesus and the Apostle John was writing this, and he began to to want to communicate who the person of Jesus was, he began with calling him the Word, that the Word became flesh. And and as the Jewish audience, because he was speaking to a Jewish and a Greek audience as he wrote this, as the Jewish audience heard this, they would hear the Word and they would think of the Word of God, the Word from God, and and it's almost like, you know, it's just the, the, the punctuation at the end of the sentence. The Word, it means it's finished. It means it's done. It means what you've said, you've said, and that power is it. I mean, when you look into the Old Testament and you see examples of the way that they lived their life, when you look at Jacob and Esau, when the blessing was given to Jacob instead of Esau, Esau said, can't you just take it back? No, it's been spoken. 
And that's the way it was. When God created the world, he didn't use his hands to create it. He used his voice, his words. And this formed the Jewish understanding of what the words from God meant. That when it was spoken, as it was spoken, it was finished, it always came to pass. The word of God never goes out and returns void. It always accomplishes its purpose. And so when he begins to describe who this Jesus was, and he describes him as the word of God, the Jewish audience would have taken that and said, this is power. This is authority. This, if he says it, it is so. The Greek audience would have heard this in the word logos, and they would have thought of logistics in order. And that would have been probably the first thing that came to their mind. And the Greeks, they came from a theistic believing background as they came to Christ. They, they believed that there was, they looked at the universe and the stars and, and they were ahead in the sciences for their time. And all of that pointed them towards order. But initially they believed that God was just separate. That, that, that God didn't want to have his hands and, and his heart into the world. But they looked at everything and said there, there must be a God. And so when the Apostle John writes to them and said, the word became flesh. This was, okay, God cares. God is going to dwell among you. And they would have understood and began to, to hear that in two different ways. For us, when we hear it, we, we often just think of Scripture. But I want to bring us back to who this word was as we build a basis for this baby that we celebrate. The word was the fullness of God. That he was firstborn over all creation. That though he came to earth in flesh as a baby, that was not his creation point. But he has been there and he has known every day of your life before it came to be. This baby that came and was wrapped in swaddling cloths, he's known every, every word that would leave your tongue. He was part of the creation process that spoke everything into being. He is all authority, all power, all majesty. Brought into this lowly state. Not a king born into a palace, but a child born into a manger. That all of the authority and the majesty and the grandeur of heaven wrapped into this little child. The word, it became flesh, and it dwelt among us. Many of us have had the opportunity to meet someone that we've looked up to. We, many of us have got to meet someone that we considered famous, that we looked when they were on the, the lights of the stage, and we imagined what they would be like. And then when we got around them, a lot of us were kind of like, oh, <laughs> Not, not quite as tall as I expected, not, a, not quite a, as majestic as I expected. There was one time where I was flying somewhere, and I looked across the aisle, and I was like, I know that that is a movie star. I'm just terrible with movie stars' names, and don't know your name. And I was like, what movie do I know you from? And he was like, maybe. <laughs> I was like, well, what's your name? He's like, it doesn't matter. And he just kept dodging the question. And I, I, I knew it was a movie star, and I figured out eventually, but I, I've already forgotten what his name was. And, you know, he was sitting there, like, with water paints. He wasn't looking at a phone. He was, like, water painting. Like, I'm like, who does that? Only Hollywood people do that. I know, I know you. And he, and he was, and he was a movie, movie star. But I just remember, even as I looked at him, I was like, man, I thought you were 
going to be bigger than that. Like, I thought, like, it's just one of those things. We, we get these expectations of what someone will look like when we've never met them, but we've looked up to them. And it, when they don't meet, there's this point of conflict. And when, when we see this, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, when the Jewish audience, when the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who looked forward to a Messiah coming, they had an idea of what that person was going to be like. And then when they saw Jesus... There's a saw, you kind of fall short of the expectation. Because in truth, in essence of who he was, he was the word of God made flesh. He was all the authority, all of the power. But they wanted a show of strength and the Messiah came with a show of humility. They wanted a restoration of their pride. And they received a call to servanthood. Jesus was the perfection of a human life. And for some reason, the synagogue's leadership, the religious people looked at it and said, that falls too far short to be what we were looking for. And the, me, the, the incredible thing is that the intention of Jesus dwelling among us was to set an example but the example was not what they were looking for. And especially as we, we are entering the Christmas season, there's so much fun ahead of us. There's so much celebration ahead of us. And I wonder if we're looking for the right thing or not. Because if I were to, to ask, and I'll pick on the men because I, I know that this stands true for me. If I were to stick a microphone in front of your face and ask, what did you get for Christmas last year? Most of us wouldn't remember. If I asked, what did you give someone for Christmas last year? Most of you would struggle to remember. Some of you guys are still paying the credit card bills on the gifts from last year. But you can't remember why you have that bill. You just know that you need to pay it. And we put so much emphasis, we put so much focus, we put so much importance on the things that we give at Christmas time. And I fear that we have made Christmas become something that in our hearts we know that it really shouldn't be. And it's not that I'm anti-gift. You can buy me a gift. I will be okay. I won't throw it at you. I won't drop it. I'll be thankful. And so don't hear me as saying, don't give gifts. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what has the eminence? What has the most importance at Christmas time? Is it the presence that we put around the tree? Or is it the presence of Christ our Savior in our life and in our household? He came to dwell among us. Is the way that we see it in English. It's actually, it could also be translated, he tabernacled among us. There's a call back to the Old Testament in the way that it's written. And, and if you don't know, the tabernacle, it, it was like the moving temple that Israel had before God allowed them to build a temple in a land of their own. It, it was a presence of God that traveled with them where they went. And what we see is once the temple was established, God's presence lived inside of the temple. And now that Jesus has come, the word became flesh and it tabernacled amongst us. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy of Holies, is here in the person of Jesus Christ, walking amongst us. And something that is perishable, this physical body, this tent that will be one day exchanged for the imperishable. The Apostle Paul actually writes about these bodies that we have as well in the same way. And it says that our bodies in 1 Corinthians 5 are like a tent that we have one day and we will put off in the future. 
I don't know why our bodies are compared to tents so much in Scripture, but there's just this thing about the mobility and the expendability of it, that it's not permanent, that there's a better home ahead of you. And so Jesus was dwelling among us. He was tabernacling among us as we are in this temporal state as well. And he set an example. He set quite a few examples. I think one, he set an example of love, that, that he was tempted in every way, is what Scripture tells us. So that when you have a struggle, you don't have a God in heaven who has no understanding. But he has been tempted in the ways, the things that are hurting your heart, he's felt them. You have a high priest who sympathizes with your needs. The tears that you've shed, he understands. And part of Christmas, part of the celebration of the word becoming flesh is the fact that God loved you so much that he wanted to be with you through what you've experienced. And then he lived the perfect life. He never chose sin. He always took the correct step. Even to the point where he suffered death on the cross for crimes that he did not commit. And in fact, the cross was suffering and payment for the sins that you and I have committed. And then the resurrection was proof, it was payment, that it was payment for our sins, that all of our sins have been removed from as far as the east is, from the west, who have, for those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. Christ's time here on earth was a show of his affection, it was a show of an example of how to live for us to follow. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. John also wrote that God is love. And so if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the personification of love lived out. And I think that this is an incredible way that God has loved us, that he walked through all of these things to show us the way. That one of the gifts that we have is that he understands that he's dwelt among us, that he's paid our way. And the the illustration uh, of any gift... And I wanted to start here before we got to the Christmas story, the actual nativity of his birth and the manger and Mary and Joseph, because I think it changes the way that we experience it. I, I think that when we understand the gift that we've been given, because First John 14 is what we read, but I also want to read for you, um, I'm sorry, Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 14 is what we read, but I also want to read to you Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 12. And it says, yet to all who die, All who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, I want you to understand. I mean, you can also bring to memory the Gospel of John. I mean, this has the right to become children of God. Gospel of John, chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Many of us have moved through the motions of church and through Christmas so many times, but I think that we've failed to ever receive the gift that God offers to us. God loved you enough to send his son. He loved you enough that his son would be tempted in every way, that his son dwelt among those of us on earth, and his promise is that he never leaves or forsake. He continues to indwell and go through life with us. That's a, prom- that's a gift that he offers to you. But at the start of this Christmas, I want to remind you of the gift either that you have received 
or that you have been putting off receiving. And the gift that he offers isn't just hope, it isn't just joy, it isn't just peace, it isn't just patience, it isn't just kindness, it isn't just a healthy marriage. He doesn't offer just all those side effects. The real gift that he offers is his presence. The real present that God has for you is that he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be with you. And if you would answer the question of what makes you a Christian with things like, well, I go to church. Well, I'm a good person. Well, my family believes or my family did. Man, I think that you've been missing out on one of the most incredible experiences of your life that when you finally personally open your heart and your mind to your Heavenly Father, when you ask for forgiveness of your sins, He makes you a new creation and He doesn't just give you a fresh start. He gives you his presence. That you, you feel and sense and hear his Holy Spirit guide you through decisions, comfort you amongst difficulties. When Christ dwelt with us of earth and flesh, it was the beginning and not the end. It did not end at the transfiguration. It did not end when he was brought up into heaven. That was the beginning of him walking with his people. And I want you to leave here today knowing without a shadow of a doubt that heaven is ahead of you because Christ is with you right now. And when you make that determination of God, I'm ready for what you have, I believe that you will sense God moving in your heart, God moving in your mind, but it takes you receiving that gift. And once you have that gift, I believe that it shifts the way that we experience and want to experience Christmas. Because though I know many of you can't remember what you got for Christmas last year, I do believe that all of you remember the times where at Christmas we went and we delivered food to a family and how that stuck with you. Where, where you provided Christmas for a family that was out of work and you provided presents and food and you met a need that was there. That, that at Christmas Eve service where, where God was moving amongst families and you were engaged in making that happen, you remember the times that you made Christmas about Christ and those hold tightly to our heart and our mind because those are the things that matter forever. And I believe that in our gift giving and in our celebrations and our decorating, all of those things can be things that bring honor and glory to Christ, but I think sometimes they can take over and I want to just remind us as we, as we hear the word presence this year, I want, I want every time we hear it, just our mind to just echo back the presence of Christ. This year, it's about Christmas presence in Gulfside Church. That when our families celebrate, we want to celebrate the presence of Christ in our heart, in our life, because we understand that as this passage says, that the glory of the, of the one and only Son. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son. When the Apostle John is saying, we have seen his glory, he's actually speaking specifically to when he saw Jesus glorified at the transfiguration. That, that in, in the time where he saw Moses and Elijah and, and heard God's voice giving approval over his one and only Son. I, I mean, I can't even imagine John trying to get the emotion and the power of an experience like that through a pen onto his scroll. I mean, how do you communicate when you see Jesus glorified? And he's saying, he, he's the word of God. 
He's the absolute authority, the word and the power of God wrapped into flesh. And we have seen him glory, the glory of his one and only son. No one else gets to carry that title through the gospels other than Jesus himself. The authority of the heavenly father on display through the son. And we've seen him glorified. And so the, the, the call is then given for us to glorify him in our life. For us to give him the rightful place of authority that he deserves in our life. And so at Christmas time, let's not miss it. Let's not miss this opportunity to speak of his name, speak of his goodness, to bring our family together in in worship and celebration and talk about the thankfulness of what he's given us. The promises that he has ahead of us. The blessings that, that he's given us around our dining table and around the Christmas tree. Give great gifts to your kids and your family. Spoil your loved ones, but keep Christ at the center and the foundation of all of it. We want to glorify him in what we do because what we want to avoid is we want to avoid something like this. Just imagine with me how bad of a day and how angry this would make. I'm going to make you angry at church. Isn't that helpful? I'm helping you today, aren't I? Imagine December 1st, you go into work, get called into the boss's office, and they say, I'm sorry, I had to choose to fire one person from the office, and I choose you. Unfortunately, that means you're not going to get your bonus, end of year bonus either, even though you qualified for it, you worked 11 months, but you didn't work the full 12, so we're not going to be able to give that to you. We did give you a delightfully pretty box to pack your stuff in, and then security will escort you out. Goodbye and Merry Christmas. You leave that Merry Christmas greeting, you go to the store. You're, you're upset But you know what? You're still going to buy presents because you you save some money for that. And you go and you see what so many people are hunting for. You see a PS5 on the shelves. The men are like, ooh. That's right. You're buying it for your your child, your man child that lives in your home. And you put your fingertips on it. You're about to take it off the shelf. Someone else grabs it out from your hands. They look at you and in all genuineness, they say, Merry Christmas and walk away with what was rightfully yours. You control yourself. You leave the store without hitting anyone. You get back to your car. You see the front bumper is smashed. The airbags have gone off, and you see a note under the window. Someone saw me hit your car. I'm acting like I'm leaving you your number. Merry Christmas. And you get three Merry Christmas greetings that make you want to say words that should not be spoken on Christmas, right? You, you, you look at that and you say, who would ever do that? Who would ever... Who would ever say Merry Christmas at any of those three events? Merry Christmas and being a jerk should not go hand in hand. Right? We understand those two things, they don't go with Christmas. They don't go together. But we have wrapped Christmas in so many things that do not go together. And it may not be extreme as any of those examples. But you understand that if Jesus were to walk through the traditions of how we have handled Christmas in so many of our households, he'd take the wreath off the door and he'd smack us upside the head up so that we'd get a little bit of sense back. And if you don't think Jesus would smack you with a Christmas wreath, check out Gospel of John chapter 2, verse 15. And you'll understand Jesus will get physical if he needs to to bring some sense back into the room. Christmas, there's a way that it should be celebrated. There are things to celebrate. But if we only focus on the things and we miss the meaning, and our culture has attempted to redefine Christmas. There are so many movies out there 
about discovering the meaning of Christmas. And they range from Santa Claus to providing toys for kids and all good fine stuff, but not the meaning of Christmas. The meaning of Christmas, the real present of Christmas is the presence of Christ in your life. There is no greater gift. There is no greater joy. There is no greater sense of peace. I want to tell you this much too. There's no greater sense of adventure and purpose. But all of that is wrapped around the presence of Christ in your life. Not the going to of church. Not what your family does. Not how much you give. Is Christ present in your life? And I know that through years and busyness, even those of us who know, we, we can tell you the year, the time we came to Christ, but it's easy to let other things push our relationship with God out. What I want for you, church, I want every time that you hear the word Christmas present, I want you to think of the presence of Christ. That every time you see one, I want it, I want it to drive you back to just the simple prayer, God, I am so thankful you are with me. Because here's the truth. He is. He is with us. We've become callous to that reality at times. We have forgotten that reality at times. But all of the amazing prophecy that is fulfilled through Mary and Joseph, all of the incredible ways that God provided for the, for the child Messiah, those are incredible stories. But the reason for them is that you would experience Christ with you, Christ in you. And Scripture teaches us this. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That there's a personal belief and a personal confession. And that's the beginning point of experiencing Christ with us. Some of us, we need, to, we need to begin again. And in any of these points, whether you feel like this is the very first time I'm, I'm getting started with God, or if I'm having to start over because things have become callous and cold, there's no shame about starting. The, the whole purpose of the church is to help bring people into this family. Because each one of us have been adopted as children into this family. None of us have earned our way here. So we celebrate with you if you're moving in that direction today. And if you've been walking with him well, then I just want to encourage you. Continue, continue, continue to make Christ's presence the central figure of your Christmas celebration this year. Band, if you guys will come on up, I'm going to close this out as I pray. I'm going to read Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 to you one more time. Yet to all who did receive him, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he, became, he gave the right to become children of God. I hope you feel like a child on Christmas morning this December. That God has filled your cup because he has poured his love and his blessing into your life.
And if you need someone to walk along you as you get things on the right track, if you need some suggestions about how you can celebrate Christ's presence in your life, you have a whole church family and a pastor that would love to talk to you about it. You can get in contact with us through our Facebook or email if you're watching online. You can talk to me after the service. Let's celebrate what really matters. 2020, I know we're ready for this year to be in the rearview mirror. I know it. Let's end it well as a church. Let's lead our families well. Let's make a difference in this city. Let's start in our own households. Let's start with our own worship. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you so loved us that you gave your only son, that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, that you invite us into your family, with our celebrations, with our Christmas lights, with the presents that we buy, with the words that we say, with the times where we read scripture together and pray together as families, as friends, as the family of Christ together, would it glorify you? May our hearts and our minds worship you as we sing and as we live. In Jesus' name.